0: Welcome to the Defence Forces Podcast, brought to you by the Defence Forces Public Relations Branch.
1: Hello and welcome to a special festive edition of the Irish Defence Forces Podcast. My name is Captain Keane Clancy, and today we'll be speaking to Lieutenant Colonel Mark Armstrong, Director of the Defence Forces School of Music, about the history of the school, some background on music in the military, notable events that our Defence Forces bands have been involved with, and we'll also get to hear some music from the band, a mixture of military tunes and some festive favourites. Welcome on to the show, sir. Thanks for coming on.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: So, sir, what we would normally do in an episode is we'd ask the person that we have on to just outline a bit about themselves and their own career. So can you give us a bit of a breakdown about your own career in the Defence Forces today? can, of course,
0: yeah. Um, So I'm I'm the 10th director of of the Defence Forces School of Music now since its foundation in 1923. So Um, I joined in 1989 following a music degree in... Trinity College, Dublin. Um, at the time, I suppose today as well, um, there are very few jobs for professional conductors in, in Ireland. And um, I nearly came across the advertisement for technical officer in the School of Music by, by accident one Friday when I was perusing the, the job section of the Irish Times. In those days, there was no internet. And that was the go-to place for, for appointments. So I applied and um, uh, and, I, and I got the job. So i have been involved in music all my life from an early age. I started learning the piano uh, at about age of five, um, and the story goes that my parents spotted me hanging over the um, orchestra pit rail in the Gaiety Theatre during the panto, and all I could look at was the piano player. <laughs> I didn't look at the stage at all, so they got me piano lessons, got a banger of an old piano, and uh, I started up, and I took to it immediately, so um, I sang in many choirs as, as a boy, I have always sung in choirs, and it started a love of choral music, which I still have to this day. Um, I started my, my conducting um, with a, a local church choir at the age of 18, um, and that, that started a career which brought me to work with all of our top choirs, orchestras and, and bands in the country. That was a, a pivotal moment really, and a lot of people probably can say that about careers, that, that applying for that job in the, in the, in the Defence Forces School of Music. And um, it's led to a hugely um, rewarding and very full career over the past 40 years.
1: So, And following your successful application, um, to the defence forces, um, you were you you were com- you were commissioning it straight straight away
0: as a conductor, or you were absolutely yes. Well, we'd be what's termed as direct entries um, um, specialists, like in in much the same way as um, medical officers would be. So we don't undergo any conventional military training or weapons training, that sort of thing. So we're entirely um, specialists. So there there was a six-month period of training in in HQ, um, exactly where we're sitting now, in Carlborough Barracks. And um, uh, in April 1990, I I had my first posting to the band of the Curra Command in Curra Camp in Kildare. Sadly, no longer with us. I had a very enjoyable 12 years as their conductor. Um, So the players would have been drawn from, I suppose, Kildare, Carlo. Kilkenny in Dublin, and um, I remember that with great affection as being a very happy family, you know, um, all over, and um, we played all over the south and um, east of the country. So, following that, I, I returned to Dublin as conductor of the Army number no. one band um, as a captain and was promoted Commandant in 2001. Um, my current appointment as director um, uh, I took up in 2010 and was promoted Lieutenant Colonel, which is Currently, the top rank for this professional stream. So, I would be leading the School of Music for about ten years now.
1: Okay, well, so you're well bedded into the role at this. Absolutely, stage. I think I'm
0: the longest-serving director in the force at this point. Oh, right, <laughs> yes.
1: fantastic. Yeah. So, I suppose at, at this point, we, we might we might just get you to introduce the first musical number that we're actually going to have on the show today.
0: Yes. Um, I've chosen a piece of choral music to reflect my long association with the world of choirs. Um, I actually wrote this piece myself in 2018 and it's been sung by a number of Irish choirs. This particular recording was made by the UCD Choral Scholars, one of, I think, our finest college choirs, if not the finest. Um, The words are by the English poet Christina Rossetti and it's called Love Came Down at Christmas.
1: So, sir, before we go specifically into the Irish Defence Forces School of Music, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening outside um, amongst amongst the public that, that don't really know the history of military music or the utility of music um, within militaries around the world. Can you give us a bit of a breakdown of, of um, maybe just, just a concise history or, or, or what what the
0: origin is? Of course. Um, yeah, people do. As you say, people often wonder how, how military bands came into existence. Um, I suppose like it's, it is functional music a lot of the time. The first music, to be heard I suppose in a military context would have been the loud instruments like drums and trumpets and bugles and um horns um in fact they're all all, all the loud instruments they, they would have carried long distances on a battlefield um uh, drums in particular to be very familiar to us today in terms of keeping the step and marching um, we've documentation of them using being used up to 2,000 to 2,500 years ago in, oh. in, in Chinese um, in, in literature. So obviously, the, the, like, as I say, the main function was to give orders on the battlefield. Um, uh, and also in barracks, um, we'd be very familiar with the bugle calls like uh, Ravalli and The Last Post, which we'd hear at funerals and commemorative uh, occasions. But there, of course, the they would be the first and the last bugle calls of the day. You'd hear in the barracks um, when people didn't have watches, in the 19th century, so the bugle would set the wake-up call, and there'd be a pay call, and there'd be you know mess call for for, for for meals. It would it would be a whole set of calls throughout the barrack daily uh, roster. So we'll talk t- about a maintenance, a mm-hmm. discipline kind of a thing here. Absolutely, so to, people- to tell you when to do what you're supposed to do, basically, yeah. and um, so. And again, uh, f- f- in the battlefield, it would w- be fairly chaotic and very noisy. Drums and trumpets would probably be the only way you could you could give uh, orders, for example, example for a unit to advance and that that sort of thing. Retreat. Mm-hmm. Um, bagpipes, which we have, we've had we had um, a long history of bagpiping in the school of music. The first school of bagpiping was was uh, set up at, in one thousand, nine hundred and twenty-six, actually, in the Curra camp. Not right. long after our own school was established. Um, uh, obviously, you know, hundred bagpipers coming over the crest of a hill it's quite <laughs> would be fairly. Um, I think a brave heart, you know. It, we actually, um, when I was yeah. when I was in
1: training, we actually had a bagpiper um, in my cadet class, and I remember a particular exercise in my class officer used to get him to. He'd have to get up a half an hour before everybody else and stand at the top of the camp and play yep. every morning. That's your wake up call. <laughs>
0: yeah. So yeah, exactly. Um, and we still have we have uh, bagpiping uh, today, today till today. Um, drums of course keeping step as I said while marching that developed into full, full military band um, uh, which would be you know which we'd recognise today um, a brass um, woodwind and percussion band so the function of bands obviously uh, throughout the world evolved to the playing of ceremonial music such as national anthems um, uh, on ceremonial occasions and in fact one of the functions of the modern school of music is to maintain an up-to-date library of all the national anthems of the world Um and that sounds relatively easy, but from time to time, countries do change their anthems, um, either with a regime change or, say, on gaining independence. So we have to keep on our toes. Um, I can only remember one particular occasion in 30 years when we played an anthem which was out of date. Um, luckily, it had only gone out of date for a number of weeks. Um, the visiting country was very agreeable and an international Um, Incident was averted. Oh, that's good. (laughs)
1: That's good to hear.
0: Yeah, can't remember the name of the country. It's probably better I don't. Yeah, (laughs) we won't go. We might might not go into
1: (laughs) specifics on it. We might offend some people out there. Um, And as as regards to to going to the Defence Forces School in music itself, sir, like when and what were the circumstances
0: surrounding its establishment? Um, Yes, well, we've. uh, uh, Actually, is a very interesting history um, uh, uh, of our establishment, Um, um, and there's an interesting story I I was recalling. on a, on a trip to Italy a number of years ago um, uh, to perform at an international military show um, with the number one band, I, I met a, a German military band officer. And, you know, like so often happens on those occasions, you, you know, you discuss your bands and the history of your, your establishments and, and, and how it came to be. So I, I was explaining to him that our own military music corps had, in fact, been established by two of his fellow countrymen, Germans. And I mentioned the name of one of them being Colonel Fritz Braze. And... Um, at this, he became very excited and animated. I said, of course he knew the name, and, um, and that Brazza had been very highly regarded as a German bandmaster and um, was probably better known today through his compositions and arrangements. But actually, the most interesting remark um, that he made was, "Like now knowing the history, he understood why we sounded like we did. Um, he presumed that our military influences would have come from, say, our nearest neighbour, um, uh, the UK... And, but he couldn't understand why we didn't sound like a British Army band. Um, so it fell into place for him when I mentioned the name of uh, the founder, uh, Colonel Brazzi. That, that was very telling because uh, clearly, um, this was only about 10 years ago, the sound of the Brazzi, actually the German sound uh, mm-hmm. which he created, still lived on uh, all those years later. Um, we would never be aware of that, but actually came came home very clearly that we didn't actually sound like a British Army band at all. Um, so um, I, I I thought it's a nice story and it, it reveals much about the influence that they had on, on our school of music.
1: Yeah, and is, is there any way of kind of quantifying in words or that that difference between how we sound and how how say a British Army band was? Yeah, sound?
0: and I, again, it's much more um, evident to the, the outsider. Um, but the German, uh, if you listen to German bands, I suppose from the time of Braz around the turn of the century and even up to Today, it's a very uh, clipped kind of. Um, um, oh, I say clipped is probably the best word for it. You know, very um, snappy kind of um, rhythmic playing. Where the British Army bands would have a history of more sort of fr- more phrased and more melodic kind of playing. So we had that sort of. Um, very military kind of clipped sound uh, in, in the style of the playing, really.
1: Yeah. And what, what period was uh, Fritz Brazé uh, the director of the School of Music? Or?
0: He, he was director from 1923, was the founding director uh, until his death in 1940, so he had 17 years um, uh, where he really um, directed the, the, the fledgling school of music in, in a very, very um, sort of, um, he was a strict, austere kind of man, but he had very, very clear ideas of where the school uh, was going.
1: And I suppose it's appropriate at this point, uh, sir, t- to ask you to introduce our second uh, piece of music.
0: Yes, um, so I've, I've chosen um, a historic recording. We have a number of historic recordings of the bands um, from the 1930s. Um. So this one is um, one of Colonel Bryce's own arrangements. When he came to um, Ireland, he... Um, got himself immersed in Irish traditional uh, melodies and he, he, um, he created a lot of Irish military marches which would be, say, maybe two or three Irish traditional tunes uh, combined together. Um, this is one of them, uh, one of those many marches that he, he wrote um, and it, it dates from 1930 um, and it was recorded in the Theatre Royal Dublin and it's The Wearing of the Green.
1: one of the notable things that i'm sure people outside are, are wondering is how did a, a german bandmaster like um colonel fritz braze end up as the first director of the defense force of school of music
0: well um yeah it, it, it's people always ask that um the driving force behind the establishment of the school of music was um general uh, richard mulcahy um who's the first minister for defense amongst a lot of other things but uh, when he became minister for defense um he had a view of the National Army, I think, as a, as a revitalization of, of, of Ireland, as a, as a national kind of s- as a civic service. And so music came into this um, and he enlisted the help of the professor of music in UCD at the time, Dr. John Larche, to find a musical director for a new school of music. Um, so obviously um, there were, uh, they, they cast around and they eventually arrived in, in, in Germany um, and to... Um, Wilhelm Fritz Braze. Um, Braze was, I suppose, one of the most highly regarded of German bandmasters at the the beginning of the 20th century. Um, At at a young age, in 1909, he actually received the title of Royal Musical Director, being the first person to achieve that distinction at at, at a relatively young age. Um, In 1911, he went to Berlin. To the top band um, in the country at the time, the band of the first grenadier guards. Um, and he, he held that position until they, they were dissolved, uh, obviously, on the breakup of the imperial household. Um, so uh, Brazza accepted uh, uh, the appointment uh, in the rank of colonel. And um, he arrived in Ireland in March 1923 with an assistant uh, who was named Christian Zawertzweig. Zawertzweig was an extremely accomplished um, multi-instrumentalist. He could play pretty well every instrument, and so was himself who was principally involved in the um, training of the, the newly formed bands.
1: Okay, wow. So it was, as you said, that, that German influence is really kind of all-encompassing from the it start. It was very,
0: very strong, yeah. yeah it, in fact, it was the only influence, because they brought instruments from Germany, actually, themselves. Really? And the music in our library, um, which you can imagine starts at A1, A2, A3. I suppose from A1 to A30 at the moment are the original pieces of music that they came over with in 1923, and they're just... Twenty yards away from us over there in the band building. That's fast. They're For actually there. Point of view, it's they're actually still there.
1: yeah. And, and I suppose, <coughs> could you give us a brief brief break on then of, of the chronology of the establishment of the band?
0: Yeah, of course. So they arrived in, in in March 23, and um, uh, after a couple of days in Dublin, they went up. They were sent off to the Curra, where it was intended to, to establish the school um, of music. Um, we have a really interesting memoir from Zauersfark, Um uh, from from the time, um, and I'm not sure when it was written, but it was written, in, I suppose, in retrospect, and it's it's a memoir of the first years, and the, but it starts on that first day when they landed in the Curra, and um, I reported to HQ, and um, they were expected, but there, there had been no building assigned to them for this um, great new music school, so. Um, it wasn't a very auspicious beginning. They they ended up walking around the camp um, uh, looking for a building that they might set up in, and they found one, um, uh, but were informed that it had been condemned some years previously. So anyway, they got stuck in with brooms and shovels, according to Zauersweig, and um, the, the the idea of the two Germans arriving, clearing out the building with shovels, it's it's, it's some picture, you know? <laughs> um, so they set up the school, at March 23. Between March and October 1923, um players were sent from various units in the new army to the Curra. and um, in a short space of time, on the 14th of October 1923, an inaugural concert was held in the Theatre Royal Dublin, conducted by the Colonel himself. This was an event of huge importance and was attended really by the great and good of Irish society, including the, the government at the time. And were these players that
1: were trained from Marsh from the ground up or were they people that may have had experience before in, in, in,
0: in music? They were they, they were peri- people who had experience before. Yeah. They had played with uh, with other bands. Um, when you look at the programme and and um, you see the complexity of it, uh, they would have had to have been players before because you, you couldn't have trained people in six months up to that standard. Um, the The programme was... You know, uh, it, it, we would have to rehearse a good bit now to put on a program of that quality. To be honest, <laughs> fair, <laughs> really. fair enough. So, so, um, and we, our, rec- the recordings we have date from nineteen thirty. The first recordings, uh, HMV recordings, uh, the vinyl ones, sitting behind me are in the cabinet actually, um, of 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 Brazzi's pieces. Um, th- so th- they would be, been recorded seven years after the founding of the school, and um, uh, they 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 show a very accomplished band. Obviously, it's a bit squeaky and scrapey being on old vinyl records, and um, you know. But the, Bra- brought them up to a very high standard of playing i have to say by that stage well wow, fantastic mm-hmm. and yeah
1: and with regard to sort of, um
0: richard mulcahy and um and john Larshett. yes well um they they were uh, passionate about this new school and obviously um, larshish being the being a music man himself a professor of music um, they they both they both i think shared the view that the the, the new bands were Supposed to, like, intended to be some kind of national inspiration. I think um, so. The, the newly created bands and their conductors, the, the new bandmasters, um, you know, would have a great connection between um, the, the, the the army and Irish music in general. Um, it was almost like an educational scheme to bring our music out to 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 the populace, where I suppose people wouldn't have had. Um, the, uh, the opportunity to hear live music like that because the band's played a lot of, say, uh, transcriptions of arrangements of orchestral music like, you know, overtures from operas. Um people in Ireland wouldn't have heard an orchestra life so the band was, was a way of bringing this music out. Um, Brasi, largely introduced Brasi to a lot of um, Irish traditional melodies and Brasi um, embraced this and, and wrote extended pieces on Irish traditional uh, fantasias they were called and they could be 15 minutes long in, in, encompassing 10 or 12 Irish melodies but they were written in a complicated European art style uh, you know really incredible um, he, was a, he was a wonderful arranger and he toured these uh, around the country with the army number one band and um like we have um he was so well received we have uh, um, scrolls in, in our archives where he got the freedom of towns and cities when he arrived wow. <laughs> yeah these manuscript but wonderful uh, he was he was a, a extremely well regarded and and famous guy in the country you know so um yeah I think uh, that that body of musical arrangements um uh, when they were performed around um, Ireland, it did affect a sea change in, in people's ability to, to hear that kind of music. So it really enriched people's cultural landscape. Absolutely, yes, yeah. yeah. In a way that we can't really comprehend today. Yeah. Fantastic, wow.
1: Um, and one, once, once the band was set up, how many bands were set up or what kind of establishment
0: did it have? Uh, well, we had um, f- four bands in total. Um, between 1923 and 1936, four bands were formed, um, So they were named by the order in which they were formed. The army number one band was the first, and then we had the army number two, number three, and number four. Um, People always thought the army number one band was the best because it was the number one, but it wasn't really. It was just because it was the first one to be formed. So um, number two band would have been in Cork, number three band in Curragh, and the number four band, which was the last one to be um, uh, formed in 1936 uh, in Athlone.
1: Okay. At this, at this point, Sir, I, might, I might ask you to bring in the third track that we have uh, selected for the show.
0: Of course, yeah. Um, when I served in the corps, as I said, I had 12 very happy years there. Um, I decided it would be nice to arrange a march myself containing um, uh, some well-known Kildare melodies. Um, so um, I inquired of uh, the, the CS there, who's, um, uh, uh, Pat Amar, um who, who, who I served with, and who's a great um, local musician. So he recommended... Um, uh, two tunes, the Cur of Kildare being one, of course, we don't remember Christy Moore singing that, it's mm-hmm. a very well-known, well, yeah. yeah. And the second being a very lively instrumental reel called The Rakes of Kildare. And so um, I, I arranged this, and we played it quite a bit. Um, and this particular recording was made in 2003 by the Army Number One Band, and it's called just simply The Cur of Kildare.
1: And sir, could you give us a breakdown maybe of some of the more notable events that the band have been involved in over, say, the 20th century
0: and the 21st century? Yeah, I mean, I suppose our, our military bands would have tracked every significant um, uh, event of historical importance uh, in the country. Um, I suppose from, from, from the inauguration of the first president, uh, Douglas Hyde, up to the present day. Um, we would have, um, uh, it might be useful to just uh, describe the categories of, of, of uh, engagements which we play. Firstly, of course, state engagements like, uh, indeed, the, those presidential inaugurations, events such as the National Day of Commemoration, which we play in each, each July, where we honour those who fought and died in the pursuit of peace. Um, We'd have uh, the 1916 Leaders Commemoration each May in Arbour Hill Church, Um, um, state engagements like the annual Easter Parade uh, in Dublin uh, outside the GPO, and of course, when ambassadors come to the country, they present credentials um, in our Snooktron, and we would be there to play their anthem. Um, And indeed, state visits from from foreign heads of state um, are all accorded ceremonial, where the band would play um, a big part. State funerals, where serving and former presidents and Tishi would be accorded honours. Um, so um, notable events, I suppose, the visit of Queen Elizabeth uh, in in May 2011 was was huge for me. I conducted the band; actually, came out of retirement to conduct the band, especially <laughs> for that, out of the office. Um, uh, that was, of course, for like, for we don't need to. That was really significant. Um, uh, it it took the form of other state visits, but of course, like it was the historical significance um, which makes it stand out for me. Uh, another standout, I suppose, would be the the hundredth anniversary of the um, Easter Rising in 2016 when we had uh, that massive parade um, with thousands of troops um, yeah, marching. Yeah. Um, uh, I remember it well, yeah. You d- <laughs> Indeed, we all remember. Anybody serving at the time, I think the whole army was involved in yeah. it. Um, there were literally thousands um, stacked up from, I think, uh, I suppose Leeson Street and, and those sort of areas, all mm-hmm. in all, all, all in order. And um, I didn't, there wasn't a hitch. It was the most extraordinary lo- logistical um, success. Of course, we did rehearse um, in the Curra camp with, with a mock-up yes. extensively and we the planning started 18 months before that um, yeah. and I was on the planning team for that so, um, yeah, it, it was very significant. The other category, of course, would be military engagements like medal parades and passing out parades, and a lot of parades that maybe the public wouldn't see um, uh, within barrack walls. And then, of course, there are, there are a huge number of civilian events, um, which would be like local festivals and sporting events. Um, you'd see the band out in, in playing at international soccer and rugby, of course, and in the RDS um, during the horse show in August. Um and lastly, we have a very successful schools concert programme, a free uh, scheme where we play in primary and secondary schools throughout the country.
1: Okay, fantastic. It's so, such a wide program of stuff, you know. It's, it's very varied, city, yeah. yeah.
0: And the bands would play up to five hundred engagements per annum wow. between the three of them. Yeah. Wow, that's a,
1: that's a huge amount,
0: a huge But I do I do
1: always remember the band being very much when I was serving in Cork. Yes. And I was I was in a barracks where there was a band. They were very very much in the band. Um, so I suppose at this, at this point we might ask you to introduce um, the fourth piece of music, which which is a very well known piece of music, very famous Irish piece of music.
0: Yes, indeed. Um this piece sort of harks back to those state engagements we were just talking about um in 1991 i was invited to arrange um shauna well-known piece michelle era for the 75th anniversary commemoration of the easter rising um and we had a big parade um in in through dublin not as big as the one we've just discussed but it, it was large um uh so this arrangement again it was it was it was revised and performed once again in 2016 at the 100th anniversary parade um, This uh, recording comes from uh, a 2018 recording made by the Defence Forces bands in in, um, conjunction with the RT lyric label, Misha era.
1: We might ask you a bit about the band, the bands today in the school of music today. What iterations have has I suppose the mu- musicians in the defence force gone through, and and how many bands we have today? How many have been stood down in the past?
0: Yeah, well, we for for 75 years we had the four bands, as I, as I described the, the army number one band and the two, three, and four. Um, the um, in 1998, um, the number of bands was reduced from four to three. With the band based in the Curragh Camp, that band that I conducted for the first 12 years, was stood down permanently at that point. I suppose well, there was a big rationalisation of uh, in 1998. It was a very big reorganisation, and um, about having a band 30 miles down from Dublin. Really, it was very. I suppose it was not considered uh, necessary to have two bands so close together. So it was the Curra band that was. Um, Closed down. Um, there was great sadness in the area, of course, because it was very popular. I mean, we played all throughout the southeast of the country. Um, so, so the the, the bands um, uh, were rationalised, and many members of of the Cora band joined, in fact, the Army Number One Band, and a number left at that at that stage. The bands um, just to go back to the naming of the bands, they were renamed uh, along the years from the old numerical titles to ones more associated with their area of operations. So currently now we would have Band 1 Brigade in Cork because 1 Brigade is based there obviously Band 2 Brigade in Athlone but the Army Number 1 Band still retains its its historical name the decision was made because of its I suppose its um, history and being the first band and the band it's quite a recognisable name I would think it's very recognisable and so um, you know people thought oh we have Band 1 Brigade in Cork and we have Army Number 1 Band there'll be confusion but there isn't really, and it it works, you know. Um, and, the, and I suppose the final um, thing to say on that in 2012, there was another reorganisation, and, and um, defence forces was I suppose reduced across the board by 10%, and and we had to be reduced as well. So we we were reduced to uh, our current establishment with 35 musicians in Band One and Two Brigade, and with 40 in the Army Number One Band.
1: Okay, and for I suppose any any young musicians out there listening in, sir, who, who, who were thinking that this might be something they'd be interested in. Um, how, how does one, first of all, how does one join a school now? But but also, historically, was, was there a tradition of taking people quite early to, to train them as musicians from a kind of a ground-up perspective?
0: There was, um, uh, all throughout, I suppose, the from the foundation of the school to, I suppose, into the 70s and 80s, the school actually took in boys, there were no girls at that stage, uh, loud but boys from the age of 14, um, came in and they were, I sp- and I d- didn't have to have any particular musical ability, but they were they were I suppose um, they were handed them an instrument and and they came in and um, I mean the uh, the story goes that if you stood in the corner and whistled a tune you'd get in you know but <laughs> that might be a bit harsh but. Um, So they were given a a musical education, but they're also given a general education up to what I suppose today would be the junior cert, um, now up to the age of 16. So they would have given probably two years of education um, for their state exams. Um, Things have changed. Clearly uh, 18 years of age is the the minimum, up to 27 now. but everybody uh, entering now, I mean, with the general, I suppose, standards of education is going up across the board, societally over the years. Um, all of our musicians are fully trained coming in now, um, and most of them, I would say, would have a, a music degree with a high performance element in it from one of our universities or music colleges. Um, so they'd all come in, say, in their early t- early twenties, and um, we the only sort of continuous professional development we would have to give them would be to bring them up to music diploma level. That's if they haven't got it already, and most would.
1: Mm-hmm. And there are, pro- there are obviously military professional qualifications they can go through from a, from a promotions perspective. Or from
0: we, we have our own technical, yeah. Um, yeah, we have exams and professional exams that they, they have to go, which are aligned to technical pay and to promotion. So mm-hmm. we have our own in-house kind of scheme of promotion.
1: Fantastic. Well, it sounds like there's there's a lot of opportunities out there for for young musicians. If
0: there is, and interest. we're recruiting next year. Get a little plug in, yes. <laughs> yeah, we, 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 we recruit every three years, and this is the year coming up that we'll be recruiting next year. Yeah.
1: So, sir, we're, we're recording this in the run to Christmas, and and in the winter time, and in, in that uh, spirit, we might ask you to um, introduce uh, our fifth piece music uh, for this production.
0: Yeah, indeed. Um, this uh, going back to Colonel Brazzi, who is getting a good airing today, uh, but I think it's appropriate. Um, he, this piece in particular uh, shows. A huge Huge ability, and uh, I think his creativity, creativity. He uses all the colours of the band, and when he when he arranges, um, it's kind of seasonal. Um, uh, in that, um, it's called the frost is all over.
1: 2020, sir, must have been a very different and difficult year for, for the band. You uh, could along, say along that with all of the <laughs> arts world as well. Could you give us a, a little bit of a break on what you've been doing and, and kind of the challenges you faced? Of course,
0: yeah. I mean, that, that is dif- different indeed. That's an understatement. The whole of the global um, uh, arts world really ground to a halt because of the, the pandemic. Um, when the news broke and the first case of COVID appeared in Ireland, um, Defence Forces set up what was called the Joint Task Force in order to coordinate the military effort to assist the civil authorities and the fight against the virus at that point we stood down the three bands immediately um in mid-march i think it was just after saint patrick's day following um you know international guidance even at, at that early stage that choral singing and wind playing could be hazardous because they produce you know aerosols in the air and droplets mm-hmm. which might uh, assist viral transmission um and that we watched that research all through the year and in fact it was found to be correct um uh, Choirs in particular were particularly super spreader events, is what they called them. Um, however, um, wind instruments, um, because of the nature of the wind instruments, it was found that the uh, instruments trapped a lot of the moisture and they weren't as hazardous. Um, th- that said, we 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 um, we still, we, you know, we, we, were, we were careful. We hadn't at that point got PPE or screens or or air extraction put into our band holes. so. We immediately went into contact tracing duties to assist the HSE. Um, the last bef- music performance we played of note was uh, the National Day of Commemoration in July, when there was a, a slight relaxation, I think, uh, during the summer, we remember that, and we had a socially distanced band playing in Collins Barracks. But that's the only engagement of note since March, uh, up to the yeah. present day that the bands have played. Um, so. Um, when things tightened up, I suppose we, we went back into contact tracing um, uh, and, and did that up to November, um, just past. Um, when we took a break to, to recommence some musical activity, it, it was very important. The bands hadn't really played properly for six, seven months, and in terms of skill maintenance uh, and keeping our profile, it was important that we did that. Um, so, um, in lieu of the many sort of Christmas performances we would always do, we, we recorded a virtual carol service um, in a series of five uh, short videos for release before Christmas um, that was the army number one band and then band One Brigade um, just recently has recorded a great version of uh, Oh Holy Night well known song and was arranged by a member of the band Sergeant Paul Dunley um, that was made in, in honour of a colleague uh, Sergeant Phil O'Reilly a trombone player who passed away recently um, and band Two Brigade has made their own seasonal uh, contribution which again all of these will appear on social media mm-hmm. and platforms very soon you know um you're right it's been a very different year um all of the arts performances in the world have have ground to a halt and we ourselves consider ourselves very fortunate to have been able to work on albeit in a very different way and um to play our own part in the national effort against covid 19. we don't know and nobody knows when performing groups will be able to play again in full in front of full audiences um so in the interim, we'll be recording frequently, um, starting early next year, um, so we can just keep in touch with our r- regular audience, um, despite being at a distance. Yeah, yeah, or so, of course, mm-hmm. of
1: course. And I suppose in that in in that spirit, and in the run up to Christmas, and, and trying to keep people's um, spirits up, the last the last bit of music we've recorded, would, would you would you would you introduce that for
0: us? Yes, the final piece um, is an upbeat one. We le- will we end on, a, on an upbeat note, um, and it's one of those Christmas favourites um, we hear all the time in, in at Christmas time um, this was recorded by the Army No. 1 band a couple of weeks ago um, and complete with sleigh bells and reindeer effects it's Leroy Anderson's f- uh, favourite sleigh ride
1: Sir, uh, I must say that those musical pieces we heard today are absolutely wonderful. And I think there's a huge amount of really interesting information on the Defence Forces' school music and on military music in general for everybody out there. So thank you very
0: much for coming on and have a very, very happy Christmas. Thank you. And you too. And uh, just if I could just say, um, once again, just to pay tribute to our, our musicians who really jumped in immediately to their new uh, uh, contact tracing work when they couldn't play during the year and thank them for the way in which they really embraced uh, that work. So we in the School of Music would like to wish all our colleagues in the wider Defence Forces um, and our followers outside a very peaceful Christmas and a happy and a healthy New Year.
1: For further information on the Irish Defence Forces, check out our social media platforms and military.ie. Serving members are also encouraged to visit the members area on military.ie. Today's episode was produced by Corporal Keith Harrison and Corporal Carl McEnany of the Defence Forces Audiovisual School. The Irish Defence Forces podcast is available for download on Spotify, iTunes, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back soon in 2021 with a new series. Everyone out there, thanks very much for listening. Stay safe and have a happy Christmas and a peaceful New Year.